Farpoint Media, powered by Podango. This is your ADD cast, number 20-something or other, for, well, whatever. Greetings, everyone. We are once again high atop the luxury townhome, luxury deluxe townhome in Tyson's Corner, Vienna, Virginia. I am Paul Fisher. And uh, I'm on my third hour of podcasting for the day, so, well, I'm a little, uh, well, tipsy, out of it, ready to have some more fun. Joining me in the studio, the guest that will not leave, <coughs> Mr., or maybe Mrs., we're not really sure, <laughs> T. Morris, a man so good-looking he could be the love child of Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt. Only if I was there taking pictures. <laughs> Only your third hour of podcasting. Only my third hour of podcasting today. I know I'm slacking. You are such a pussy. <laughs> you really are. I started my podcasting day. Oh, finish your arrogant yeah. bastard. Yeah, I started my podcasting day at 11.30 this morning, and I have been podcasting more or less solid for Wiley Publishing at Book Expo America in Washington, D.C. Let me tell you something. Fucking amazing experience. I am so ready for Balticon now. I would say BEA is like the Balticon, uh, not Balticon, DragonCon. It's like DragonCon light because of just the massive size of everything. Sweet. Because uh, we're, we're working very hard this year to, to be able to make the jump from Worldcon, come home for a week, and then go to DragonCon. It's, you know, and you know something? That's something I want to get your opinion on. Worldcon. Worldcon. I just heard on Slice of Sci-Fi that they are making Worldcon this salute to Star Trek because of Star Trek's 40th anniversary. And they're going to have Marina Sirtis there. there. There's whispers that maybe Nimoy and Shatner will show up. They're going to get Kaning there. They're going to get a lot of the... William Shatner will show up. Shatner. You know, you know who I think is going to be incredible in Over the Hedge? What? I, Shatner's voicing one of the animals in Over the Hedge. Really? And there's a point where you see the, where you see the, 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 I guess it's the, uh, the raccoon or whatever he's playing, like the chipmunk, and he goes, must go to the light! You know, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's doing Shatner, and it's computer animated Shatner, so you know that's gonna rock. But, oh, that's but, gonna be, that's gonna kick ass. But, but back on Worldcon, here's the thing I don't quite understand about Worldcon. Now, one of the things that's always hung me up about hitting the con circuit and going to literary cons and stuff like that is this snobbery that some lit cons have. Okay. Okay. Hold on one sec. Okay. Be be before we, we get into that, <laughs> let, let me first explain to my adoring public that, uh, the reason this is my third hour of podcasting for today is that this is actually the, uh, the final episode in the series of the podcast, the, the fathers of the podcast novel. Really? This is the last episode? This is going to be the last episode. Oh, I thought the last episode was the last episode that all three of us recorded. Well, that's actually going to be split up into three pieces and tagged onto the end of each of the oh, individual authors. Okay. No one reads the emails I send out. No, I, I, I really, you know, no. I guess you guys are authors, so you write, and it's like a write-only device. You don't we, actually read. Anything. We check it. We, what we do is we check the emails, and if we don't see the 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 thing that says T dash dash, pay attention to this. Then I'm just like, oh, fuck it, and I just move on to something else. I need <laughs> I need to have like a sledgehammer installed in your computer <laughs> that I can trigger remotely when my emails come in. Pay the fuck attention. Look, I don't <laughs> send a fucking email to anyone just to just to waste time. I know I, there I are people. You. I who, hear you. That's that's what that's what AIM and Skype are for. Exactly. But uh, but but okay. So so what you're saying is that this is the last in the series. This is the last in the well, series. Well, thank you very much for saving me for last. You know, as Vanessa Williams said, you saved the best for last. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Just worked out that way. And what are we drinking in? Oh yeah, arrogant bastard, bastard ale. Ah. Thank you, Karen from California. Uh this this you know I've always looked at this in the store and said. I don't want to drink a beer that big. Yeah, <laughs> you, oh, wrong. You should have seen the size this of the beer. This is really fucking good. Oh, it's great. It's great the, beer. She sent the oaked arrogant bastard. She sent the oaked arrogant bastard in that 
three-gallon honker. We're talking it had padlocks. The top had padlocks. Oh, sweet. It's insane, but it was really good beer. Really good beer. I, I got called up to New York to basically be hired gun on a project that needed some help. Uh-huh. And uh, – and and at one point, someone someone lost their temper and then apologized and said, "I owe you a beer." And without without a, a, a any hesitation, I said, "Oaked arrogant bastard." And there's one other guy who listens to podcasting in the group, and he fell out of his chair. <laughs> so he heard because he, he, he knew he heard that I was talking about the eighty dollar two man. gallon bottle of beer. <laughs> I mean that that podcast that night was absolutely insane. I was absolutely insane. I mean Evo getting in my face and saying, "Who the fuck are you?" And we just went back and forth. It was so much fun. But, <sighs> but going back to what you were saying, yeah, uh, because I, I I really want to talk to you about this Worldcon thing. But but going back to what you were saying, this is the last in the series about the father of patio books, right? Okay. And that's all you wanted to say? That, yeah, I wanted to make sure people understood that w- that we were we were oh, rounding okay. out that series. And, and the reason why I'm here is because I'm I, I was you the, are I was uh, I was as I said earlier the Alan Armstrong of of, of uh, or you will be saying later. Yeah, that, that too. But uh, but basically, yeah, I I, uh, I put together the Potty Book Moravi. It was a lot of fun. It was done as a promotion for Legacy of Moravi, which was nominated for Forward Magazine's Best Science Fiction of 2005. Yay! Didn't win, which sucked. But hey, Aww. that's no big deal. But anyway, um, but but so going back to so, so going back to Worldcon. Here's the thing I wanted to get your opinion on. Then we'll open the beers. I see you eyeing these. You know, I, I would like to point out that the arrogant bastard is now gone. Yeah, we, we no, no, actually, he's still here, but the beer is gone. Oh yeah, the beer yeah. is gone. And uh, <laughs> and next uh, for the next beer of the day, we are about to open a Stouds Blonde Double Bock. It is called a Maybach, and there is a picture of a ram's head coming out of a field of wheat. So it's a it's a it's a horny beer that yes that will that will never leave because it will always be Bach. So uh, on that note, you will be Beethoven. Uh, yeah, yeah, you will be, be Brahms. I'll be, be Bach. Bach. Uh, remember, if it ain't Baroque, don't fix it. So. Uh, oh man, <laughs> how punny of us! So Worldcon, here's the thing. Um, before I, but, oh, before arrogant bastard, finishing off your ar- yeah, arrogant, finishing bastard. off the arrogant bastard. You know, I'm not one for hoppy beers, but this is actually a pretty hoppy beer. It's a very hoppy beer. But, it's very bitter. But the thing is, is that it, it's not so hoppy that I want to use it to you know clean out my gas tank. You know, no, not I mean, at all. I mean, there's something. I mean, it's dark. For 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 a for a for an India Pale Ale. You well, it's not that. an India Pale Ale. It's, oh yeah, it is. Is it? It was marked. I mean, if you look at the bottle, it actually uh, the, says. Yeah, the bottle's back on the other uh, side of the studio. The bottle does say India Pale Ale, and I was like, you gotta be, you gotta be out, out of your mind. And this it is ain't the, pale. Well, I know, I know, it's it's dark for a pale ale. But actually, you know, as far as hoppy beers goes, I think this is my limit. This is as far as as hoppy as I'll go. See, I, I, I'm I'm just getting into the point where I'm starting to enjoy hoppy beers nah, because uh, from it. listening to uh, the Dragon Page winging it, which I guess is now Actually, Michael, Michael and, and Evo's and winging, Evo's it. Yeah, winging yeah. it. Yeah, I hate I hate things that change names. I still go to the Cap Center. I still yeah. go to uh, uh, National Airport. You know the old saying: I don't mind change so long as I'm not there when it happens. I, exactly. So thank uh, you, I, thank you, Adrian Monk. That and um, uh, Jack uh, Mangans. Uh, not Jack Mangans, Charlie, Charlie the beer guy. Charlie the beer guy. His uh, his uh, podcast. Speaking of beer, um, that's what it's called. Speaking of beer, right? I uh, I've really kind of fallen in love with this idea that the hops are kind of a cousin to marijuana, and you can get a very similar kind of very legal high off of uh, bitter beer, which is why people apparently like bitter beer so much, is that not only do you get the alcohol buzz, you get the hop buzz off of it. And uh, I am the holder of a security clearance, uh, which means that uh, I could be uh, I could be randomly drug tested at any moment. People and that, could randomness, break... that randomness is starting to whittle away since we're podcasting about it. Exactly. <laughs> so they can, they can come and they can test me all they want, and all they're going to find out is that I was drinking beer because no one tests your urine for hops. But, you know, it's funny you mentioned Charlie the Beer Guy. I've been meaning to, to, to tell somebody this. Um, I was in the Apple store and uh, they were giving a, a lecture on uh, on iTunes. They were doing their workshop on iTunes. They were talking about how you subscribe to podcasts. And he goes, so let me show you how you subscribe to a podcast. So they pull up a podcast. And you want know they pull up? Charlie the Beer Guy. Charlie the Beer Guy. And I was guy. like, oh, my God, I know that podcast. Shit, yeah. So I was pretty stoked. 
All right, so um, do you want to open the beers now? And yeah, talk about let's World open. Con? Let's right, open right, the beers right. and talk about Worldcon. We'll, uh, you're supposed to do that in front of the microphone. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, hoser. Oh, sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll pour the beer then. Yeah, there we go. I don't have one of those cool Dragon Page uh, beer popper things. You need things to get yet. one. See, my beer is going to have a whole lot of head, but at least yeah, people but, will be able to. But hear you get it. the sound effect. Yeah, I pour along the side. No good, but. But okay, so, so here's the thing about Worldcon and the snobbiness of some literary cons. And I say snobbiness because, well, you gotta remember, you remember that just like governments, cons are people made up of people. Yeah, and people are snobs. Cons typically not so much. Okay, okay. Then the people organizing the, these the, these particular cons, yeah, um, they they carry with them a snobby attitude. And I'm I'm actually speaking from the experience of of. I do a workshop with with Lonnie Tupu. It's a it's a Lonnie Tupu plays uh, Captain Crace from Farscape. And he also does the voice of voice pilot. of pilot, right? And we have a workshop, uh, a screenwriter's workshop called "From Page to Stage," where we talk about taking something of literary work and translating it to uh, to to uh, a screenplay. So this is great, and we, we've we've had raging success with it. But here's the problem: whenever we approach literary cons. They go, we're not interested. And it's like, but it's a writer's workshop. And they go, but you have a media guest. So they have this huge thing about media guests and about how they're about literary, not media guests. And yet, and yet, Worldcon, it's a literary con. It is a literary con. And yet they've got these media guests all coming. Well, that's this year. I mean, I was at World, I've been at several different Worldcons uh-huh. and. <laughs> You know, I'm a little slow, folks. It, I, I've been to Balticon, which is yeah, a little, just a little. Uh, I've been to Baltic, going to Balticon for almost 20 years. You know, I, I, uh, this is going to be my sixth or seventh Worldcon, and I, I could never figure out like why Leonard Nimoy or William Shatner, you know, never came to one of these cons. Uh, and and it was only like two or three years ago that someone explained to me that this was a literary con, and that they'll never be here. And uh, <laughs> it was just like, huh? But but you know, but this is where I think I get a little uptight. Is that okay? Yeah, maybe they have a, a level of expectation that because they are media guests and they and they they get the royal treatment, they're not going to get the same royal treatment as in the comp room and you know the comp well, they, bills. It, and all they that can't. Stuff. We they, exactly you know, because Bal- that, Balticon normally gets fourteen hundred to eighteen hundred people. Right. Right. Uh, you know, uh, something you know, the 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 nearest uh, like. Uh, Katsukan, um, mm-hmm. one of the anime cons, they get like twenty five to forty thousand people. They have to turn people away at yeah. the door, yeah. um, and you know, th- that's twenty times the number of people. When you have twenty times the number of people, you're making at least twenty times the number of profit. Right, right. So you can afford to pay for people's rooms sure, and fly sure. people in. You can't do that when you've got a smaller literary con. So. So what I'm, I guess the, the, the direction I'm going with this is, so why is Worldcon suddenly taking that whole literary con bent? Because you hear and, – and you know you hear the scuttlebutt from con write-ups and stuff like that. Everybody is bitching about the death of literary to media, you know, to media SF and media SF is crap. But now it's Worldcon and yet they are entertaining. Star it's Worldcon L.A. They don't have to, I was pay to fly most of these people in. I was wondering if you were going to the go there. People, you know, it's you really is, think that's it. This is what occurs to me at the spur of the moment. This is the first I've heard that they are going to be doing some some Star Trek retrospective. You should listen to Slice. Slice of Sci-Fi covered this, and I was like, I know so you know, many podcasts, so little time. The, the problem <laughs> is, I'm, like I said, I'm prepping for Balticon, mm. so I need to listen to that? Balticon is next. <laughs> well. It, in in relation to when we are recording That's this, true. it's next weekend. Next of week. course, by the time you hear this, it will have passed by several weeks. However, I have 10 podcast guests coming for Balticon. Uh, I have about 14 or 15 different podcast events, and I want to make sure that I have listened to all of the people that are going to be in the room Makes sense. Makes so sense. that I can talk intelligently to them and find out whether or not they've been playing my promos. <laughs> yeah, that's one of, that's one of the downsides of uh, of of not being able to do a a podcast um, you know every you know every week or every you know I'm doing it every other week and if I'm lucky uh, if not today tomorrow I'm going to have a podcast edited with promos and ready to go. And I'm not going to count on that <laughs> because I've got to go to Florida 
to because I'm actually being paid to podcast. You're going to be Florida. paid to podcast, dude. That is so all, fucking awesome. Seriously, I mean, today I was paid to podcast from Wiley Publishing, and then starting tomorrow, you know, and all the way to Wednesday, I'm going to be paid to podcast. What a dream gig, you know, and um, especially at your normal day rate. We won't go into we won't exactly go into what that number is. Yeah, but I, I didn't get the day it's rate. It's definitely Wiley. a living wage. Yeah, but I didn't get I didn't get the day rate from Wiley. But still, to say, yeah, I've done a professional podcast for Wiley Publishing, and it wasn't for dummies. It was Wiley Publishing. It was the whole thing, and we ended with a beer cast. I, mean, I tell you what, I, I, we're coming up on a break, aren't we? Yeah, we're then about I tell, to break. I, I tell you what, let's uh, let's call let's come back, and when I come back, I'll, I'll I'll tell you about the last podcast and actually this this pretty good beer we're having. Right All right, now. we're gonna take a little break and play you some promos, and we'll be right back to piss off T. Morris, the guest <laughs> who will not leave <laughs> again. Yeah. Good news, everyone. Several years ago, I tried to log on to AOL, and it just went through. We're online. www.balticonpodcast.org Let the Balticon Podcast take you inside the minds of the people who make science fiction happen. Get the scoop on what's happening in science fiction from authors, techies, and scientists. We guarantee that you'll be entertained and enlightened. The Balticon Podcast. Great interviews with the people who make science fiction happen. Authors, fans, and honest-to-God scientists. And we play music at the end. Search for Balticon in iTunes or visit us at www.balticonpodcast.org. If copper feel I must... Then Copperfield, I shall. If you're digging infection and are craving more world-class podcast fiction, Podiobooks.com has it. At Podiobooks.com, you'll find 40 titles to choose from, including classics such as Earthcore, The Pocket and the Pendant, Moravi, and Spherical Tomy, plus new fiction like Singularity, The Tenth Cow, the short story anthology Voices, and dozens more. Dig sci-fi? Podiobooks.com has it. Fantasy? Podiobooks.com has that too. Comedy? Thrillers? Supernatural horror? Historical fiction? Podiobooks.com has it. Best of all, every title is free, and you receive personalized feeds, allowing you to download new chapters whenever you like. Can you handle being addicted to more than one podcast novel? Sure you can. So when you're jonesing for more intense, world-class fiction, bebop over to patiobooks.com. Patiobooks.com has it. Say something, anything. Test one, two, three. Anything but that. And we are back. It's always Sigler with you, right? It's a, yeah, you it's know, always Sigler. I thought I was Sigler, dropping Sigler, a Sigler, Sigler, Sigler Promero <laughs> in there just to piss you off. Uh, you know, it's it's really a playful thing. This whole this whole uh, you know this whole rivalry between me and Sigler, and and that's, I, I tell you, it got kicked up a notch just recently because you're Mark, going to be wrestling mud wrestling each other uh, at Worldcon, right? Oh yeah, uh, no, 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 at uh, at Por- Podcast Portable Media Expo. Ah. But um, yeah, I was talking with uh, with Mark Jeffrey. And he said uh, that that he would actually listen to Moravi to get his diction right, and to, you know he was using it as as his as his uh, as his as his st- as his, uh, his his level. You know, you know we're we're, set, we're setting the standard based on Moravi. And then J.C. Hutchins did the same thing with Seventh Son. And I'm sitting there going, well, then why isn't my book? Why isn't my patio book getting the same damn numbers that fucking Earthcore is pulling down? And you know, and and what's really even funnier is that Scott Sigler. Um, he even told me that, uh, you know, he told me once, you know, dude, you do way too much production, but an ancestor. Oh my God. Most of the stuff that I did in Moravi showed up in ancestor and Scott was like, Hey, if I'm going to steal, I'm going to steal from the best. And I'm like, fuck you, Sigler. But you know, but the, the thing is, I love the guy. I love Sigler. I love Jeffrey. And you know, I, as I said, as I'm going to say in the interview, I should say, you know, I'm one of the luckiest sons of bitches on the planet because I'm involved with podcasting. You know, I mean, you know, I got to know you. I got to know your lovely wife, Martha. I, I, I mean, I have made some phenomenal friendships with patio, with, uh, with patio books, with, with podcasting. I'm, I'm with you there, 100%. And, and, and you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if a lot of people get it, but we make fun of you, you know, sometimes. <laughs> one, one, because you're a really nice guy and because you can take it, you know, and, and you can dish it out. And 
You know, I just I, I don't want oh, people to think that it, that like anyone here is trying to be nasty <laughs> to you at all. I'm it's, the man you all... love to hate. No, no, no. We we like to have fun, and we expect it right back. Well, the, well, you see the difference. Oh, oh, hell yes, hell yes. I mean, the difference is that, and I said this actually. Oh, I just that was my fault. Um, it's really <sighs> smooth beer. That's a great beer. All right, I, I, I'll finish that comment. But let's let's talk about. This. Well, first off, the nose of this beer. This. What is this again we're, we're drinking? This is uh, Stouds uh, d- Blonde Double, double Maybach. Maybach. It's Maybach, not your Bach, but Maybach. Yep. Um, the nose is not as potent as as the Arrogant Bastard, of course, um, but but the taste is re- – it's it's almost got a creamy taste to it. It's, it's very smooth. With, it, yeah, sweet. A, as we say, smooth, smooth with a capital smooth. It's smooth. Yeah. Hello, it's Jack Bauer. And yeah, Team Wars is my bitch. Every Monday night, he's my bitch. All right, sorry. I, I actually <laughs> made the mistake of calling T at like five minutes to Bauer. Or something. <laughs> Did I? Then I answer the phone he, like with "What do you want?" <laughs> yes, he picks up the phone. He's like, "What do you want, <laughs> Jack Bauer? Five minutes, go oh, away." <laughs> I swear to God, how man. one man can fall in love with a TV show. <laughs> but what a good TV show to fall in love with! Never, you know, but n- never saw it. Yeah, well, well, the, the well, you know, it's really funny. It's a bit like patio books. I mean, yeah. in, in, that, in that every every episode ends with a cliffhanger. And I know there are some people that that have just given up on Jack Bauer mainly because that you can always tell with twenty four where they're not sure if they're going to get picked up. And then when they finally realize, oh, yeah, we are getting picked up for the rest of the season, they suddenly have to throw together some quick plots and then try to tie everything back together. But this season, season five, day five, as they call it, um, I think it's the best. I think this has been the best. See, and the weakest moment was when they brought back uh, uh, Eliza Cuthbert. But, you know, even bringing back Eliza Cuthbert, she's just so purdy to look at. So, you know. So purdy. So purdy. Um, purdy. Purdy. So going back to the whole thing about, well, I mean, uh, do you listen to the Deadpan podcast, Jack Mangan's Deadpan podcast? I'm actually a little behind on Jack right now. I listened to the first two. I listened to Spherical Tommy. That's good. Spherical Tommy was surprisingly Samurai, good. Samurai cyberpunk, I call just, it. Just the, the concepts that he put forward. Yeah. Um, that, you know, it was one of those things where the, the, uh, qual- the quality of the content far outstripped the quality of the production. And I, I really wish that I could get him to re-record it at Draco Vista Studios with Mike behind the board. If, you know, I think with enough, with enough, um, beating, yeah, with, beat no, with enough beating, I really think we could convince Jack Mangan to go back into the studio and re-record Spherical Tommy. The only downside is I think it would be tougher to coordinate it with both Jack and Deborah because he did do it with Jack and Deborah, and yeah. his wife Deborah. Well, they're married. How well, hard can it be to coordinate you never know. You, you never know what the schedule like. like they wear the same color clothes. That's true. But, you know, um, but, but yeah, Jack and, um, Jack and Deborah did, did a phenomenal job, in my opinion, with Stavirical Tommy. And, you know, it's, it's like he's, he, he's what doing. What was that word? It's Stavirical? Stavirical Tommy. Yeah, you're going to have to hang out until you detox. Just a wee bit. Just a wee bit. I just hope I'm still married by the time I get home. So anyway, the. I'll talk to your wife. There we go. Um, so the um, uh, so what we what we were, <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh, we were talking about spherical Tommy. No, we weren't talking about coordinating twenty four. We're recursing out of this. Back to Podfather. Shit, Podio Father. Oh my God. Back to Podio Books. Oh that, God. Yeah. I forgot what, it, what the, the point I was trying to make. I don't know. Shall we go back to World? No, I don't want to go okay, back to WorldCon. We are foundering in a sea of podcasts. God damn, this is good beer. And oh, beer. Yeah. Uh, this is a double. This is a double, yeah. I mean, we were talking about um, – I mean, we are talking about the fr- – oh, the, that's it. Jack Mangan. Jack Mangan. Friendships. We were talking about the, the, the ball busting that I get. Yeah. And I actually, I actually kind of opened – I didn't expect to do this, but I actually opened up on Jack Mangan's Deadpan podcast about this very topic. And what was what, what the the difference is with with all, with a lot of the ball busting that I get from you from Draco Vista from from uh, from Jack to an even extent, um, I know it's because you guys know that I can take a joke, but I also know that if somebody who's not part of that circle takes a shot, you guys are gonna be all over them like shit on a pig. Oh hell I yeah! Mean, I mean, you, it's, it's like whoa, 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 
You can't fuck with T. We can fuck with T. It, it's it's family. Exactly. It's exactly. Blood, it, you it's know? like it's 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 like that Thanksgiving dinner where it's just a slamathon. Um, or, or, or ready at like that Visa commercial, right? Where everybody's doing the whoopa whoopa, and then that one lady decides to jump right in, and she winds up like 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 everyone's looking at her like. Who the hell are you? Yeah. It, it remembers. Of, it, it reminds me of you know, like one one of my family Thanksgiving dinners, mm-hmm. where uh, where someone had brought a friend, and uh, and you know, I, I was in much the same f- position in the family where where people were were you know they they would uh, you know kind of pick on me, right, 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 and and this friend decided that he was going to pick on me. It was the proudest moment I ever had of being a member of that family <laughs> because my fucking cousin. You know, who brought him, you know, took him aside and said, you, can't know, you can't, you can't do that. I can do that. You can't do right, that. Right, right, right. And, you know, and, and that's the thing. I mean, I, I actually learned that this, uh, I learned that this, as I was telling you briefly, I learned that this weekend. Uh, so, um, if he's out there, Edward Champion, this one's for you. Um, I got an email from Evo. And, and as you heard, as all your friends heard in the, um, the, 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 the infamous winging it podcast where I got into the oak arrogant bastard, <laughs> Evo was just relentless. <laughs> he was not letting up. You know, I mean, basically he had the writing crop and my name was Seabiscuit. And, um, <laughs> and he would not let up. But this Dude, guy, does, does he like put a saddle on you or sometimes yeah, oh, well. when he's in a really good mood All right, and, I'll, uh, I'll ask men and gay for the pictures. <laughs> and you know, um, and so what happened was, was that, uh, Evo sent me this email and it was a very short, brief email. And he said, uh, you know, those positive thoughts you had from the BEA, that was the subject line. I then opened up the email and he says, keep them in your mind, keep them close and then go to this link. And he put me this link. It was for some guy named Edward Champion's something or other, a very pretentious, uh, multisyllabic word, blog. And he... Um, Edward Champion's I am a sadistic bastard blog. So, so, uh, apparently, because he... Uh, and then Evo said, and then, tell, and, and then after you read this blog, fuck him, remember you did a good job, and then put it out of your head. So... This is another NLO kind of story um, for you and I. What NLO? Nobody likes onions. Yeah, yeah. It's like a nobody likes onions. Uh, only it was a little more vicious. Okay. This guy was a little more. Um, he was obviously jaded about something, and he 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 just let loose on me. Uh, and you know, I'm I'm not going to critique his bad review mainly because well. <laughs> It was yeah. a bad review. It, well, no. It was, it, first off, it wasn't worth my time. Right. When, when you get misquoted and words are being put in your mouth, then yeah, you're not worth my time. People have their own agendas. Right. And this guy, this guy clearly had his own agenda. Um, he was one of those people where he wanted to be speaking at BEA, not attending BEA. And you know, and and I'll be the first one to admit it. I'm a nobody. I'm a Yahoo. I'm a I'm a complete nobody Yahoo. I show up at BEA, and he even went so far as to critique that I wasn't wearing a shirt. I wasn't wearing a coat and tie. And, and I was wearing, yeah. I mean, like you I can suck my ass. <laughs> I mean, oh, does that mean he's going to get the taste of the ass water? Um, gotta yeah, watch, I, gotta, remember, don't drink the ass water. But no, um, we're gonna we're gonna send him uh, a cowbell full of ass water because <laughs> I gotta have more cowbell. But but you know, I mean, but and then he had one of his croonies chime in with comments and uh you know if i had my if i had this cart software i would actually give you that clip what's your name scumbag because it because the guy who, who made the comment was what's your name scumbag a concerned podcaster and he was critiquing books that he was critiquing my books which he hadn't read so i'm sitting there going well this guy's pretty bitter but you know if my mother named me a concerned podcaster you know i'd pretty be I, you know that guy got beat up in in, in college look if I, my na- last name was champion and I wasn't a superhero. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd, I'd be pretty bitter. Yeah, and so, but but the but the point I'm getting at was that Evo, yeah, e- Evo. When it comes to busting my balls, Evo is like the grandmaster of it. But when this incident happened, I mean, he was right there, and and that's the thing, you know, Dragon Page, you, I mean, you guys have always stood behind me. So yeah, I I get the ball busting, but I know I know where you guys are coming from. It's only when that when and and I mean I just really opened up on Mangan's podcast. I don't know what it is about Mangan. I think it's the de- that's deadpan voice. It just kind of you know locks in with you, and then all of a sudden you feel like you're having a, a session with Sigmund Freud. Um, <laughs> and 
but you know, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Um, sometimes a banana is just, just a banana. banana. And then Anna. other times, and then other times, it's a raging penis. But you know, I mean, in this particular case, it was just a banana. And uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, but you know, it's when it's when you either a don't know me from Adam and you start doing the ball busting, or b if you take it for granted. And that's the other thing too is that none of you guys do that, and and that's part of the fun that I have. You know, I'm I'm basically you know the pirate boy. I'm cabin boy. You know, and <laughs> and I understand that because I write pirate fiction. I understand that. Oh, cabin boy, <laughs> cabin boy, would you loofa my stretch marks, please? You know, I mean, ah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Trivia question: Do you know what that's from? Um, and Hugh, would you loofah my stretch marks, please? Not off the top of my head. Caddyshack. Caddy from Caddyshack. Caddyshack. Remember, it's when Danny O'Keefe runs into the be- into the bathroom, and the woman goes, "El Hugh," and he, he, she's got one of those loofah, and she goes, "Would you please loofah my stretch marks, please?" And you know, and it, it was one of those jokes that I didn't get as a kid, and then when I got older, I was like, Ted Knight, waha, wahyu. My God, what a great movie! That was a movie that. Still stands. Still stands. Fucking awesome movie. Yeah, yeah. If you have not seen Caddyshack yet, rent the, it. The must-see comedies. Caddyshacks. Caddyshack. Excuse me. Caddyshack. Not the, the fir- original. Not the second one. Not the second one, but the original. The second one sucked ass. Yes. Caddyshack. Stripes. Stripes. Yeah. Stripes. I'm with you so far. Airplane. The original, the original airplane. airplane. And if I weren't drunk and on the spot, I could probably think of two or three more of my own. But I'm talking about the top three. I mean, you got the classics like, you know, Night at the Opera and, you know, Animal Crackers and Duck Soup, you know, I mean, yeah. stuff like that. Duck, but- duck Soup, There, I, there's a funny story. It's a funny movie, but there's a funny story. There's, there, there, there's this 15-minute-long scene where they pack about 40 people into a stateroom. And it's absolutely fucking hysterical. It, it is the funniest thing you have ever seen. You will not believe that people 50 years ago were this funny. Physical comedy personified. The script says, and I quote, <laughs> the Marx mother the, – don't, maybe <laughs> I don't <you> quote <laughs> – <laughs> The Marx Brothers do something funny in a stateroom. Yeah. One line, 15 minutes of script. Yep. yep. Funny as all get out. Well, you heard what Jackie Gleason once said about uh, Smoking the Bandit, right? The no. Ori- the original Smoking – the funny one, Smoking the Bandit. Uh, it was given a three-page review by you know some you know lofty magazine. And Jackie Gleason, in a later interview, said the script wasn't even that long. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I'm like, you go, you go, Jackie, you go. I mean, now, now you talk about modern comedies because you know that's that's been something that I'm a little disappointed in. It's kind of hard to find modern comedies, dude. Where's your car? Where's my card? Exactly what dude, I mean. Where's your card? That's exactly what I mean. I mean, dude. I, no, no. Sweet. The last dude. The last re, the last comedy that I went to that you know that I thought was truly was true genius, true genius. Analyze this. All right. Uh, that was that was pretty fucking awesome. I mean, you, you know, because I guess for one thing, you, you first off, you never see De Niro poking fun at him like that. I mean, the last time I think we all saw, we saw anything remotely close to that was when Marlon Brando did, did the a, freshman. Did the freshman? You know, I want to say yes, and then he, <laughs> and he crushes the nuts in his bare hand, and you see Matthew Broderick going, "Yes, yes, yes." It's it's a little bitter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then and then, but I mean, and then then when De Niro, you know, I mean, you got to give. I think it was Harold Ramis directed the analyze this, and. You got to give him credit for reconstructing that entire scene from The Godfather with uh, with Billy Crystal playing Marlon Brando's character and Robert De Niro playing Fredo, and then you see Marlon, you, you see um, De Niro in the later scene, and he goes, "You had a dream about The Godfather, and I was, <laughs> and I was Fredo. I don't think so." You know? <laughs> I mean, he just looked like he. And then when you see the blooper reel, you realize how much fun. I mean, Billy Crystal can be a, a bit pompous, but you know when he's funny. God damn, when, when, when he's banging on all cylinders, oh, he's great. man, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. But yeah, like uh, the original, what was the cowboy movie? Oh, City Slickers. City Slickers. The original for that, <sighs> fantastic. Yeah, yeah. The follow on, oh, ass water. Couldn't watch it. But couldn't I, I, watch the it. The best comedy that I've seen recently has been on TV, and oddly enough, 
two series canceled by Fox, like our beloved Firefly. Well, there you go. Arrested Titus, Development. Titus mm-hmm. and Arrested Development. Actually, you know what I consider kind of a dark comedy? What? House. Uh, House, starring Hugh Laurie. And for those of, of you who are, uh, oh, I don't know, not older than 20 or 25 Tell years you, old. <laughs> Hugh Laurie played in a British comedy God. series called Blackadder. Blackadder the third. He was in Blackadder. And he, and he was in Blackadder Goes Forth. Yeah. He was in the last two of the series. Yeah. And um, – he played the what the imbecile prince or something. He played the imbecile prince. Uh, he was the uh, he was Prince George in uh, Blackadder the Third. In Blackadder goes forth. It was World War One, and I can't remember his character's name, but he was a rich, privileged child that was, well, it was really like ex- a captain or yeah. a major. Or something. And he was really excited about about being in the war. Being and, in the war, and yeah. he had no clue that every day could have been his last. This is the same guy who plays the the nasty, arrogant Gregory House. Gregory House on. House, which fine series, and uh, and I just and, and by the way, every almost every episode of House, it, it, it's not so bad lately. But like the fir- the whole first season, every episode of House, I had all those diseases. <laughs> every last one of them, I'm like, that's oh, a little twisted, itching. man. He's itching it, and he occasionally gets a pain in his side. That's me. <laughs> Holy shit. And, you know, um, but I mean, what, what great banter you have in that show, you know, when, uh, I remember there was a gangster who was, um, he, he had, I believe he had AIDS and, uh, and I remember the, the gangster's brother went up to Gregory house and said, are you saying my brother's gay? And Hal said, well, I wouldn't call him gay. Maybe delightful. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> and I'm just like, Oh God, that takes balls, you know? And then to have someone as talented as, uh, as Robert Sean Leonard. And now I've been a friend, I've been a fan of Robert Sean Leonard ever since Dead Poet Society. Remember him from Dead Poet no, Society? No, I, I didn't realize yeah, that he was Robert, in Dead Poet Society. He was the guy that shot himself. Oh, he was, wow. he was the father. He was the kid with, with the, the oppressive fathers and he played Puck in Midsummer Night's Dream and the father flips and out. And he plays, and he plays, he plays Gregory House's friend. Who's on the the, the staff? The oncologist. Of that yeah, the oncologist. The oncologist. I didn't and realize that. Robert Sean Leonard was also in. Um, uh, he was also. This is this is where the film geek in me comes out. Robert Sean Leonard was also in uh, Much Ado About Nothing. Ken Branagh's Much Ado About Nothing. Haven't seen that one. Oh, great, great stuff. Great stuff. How are we doing on time? Uh, <laughs> we're, we're almost out of time here, dude. And are you serious? Yeah. Shit, man, man. You know, yeah, good podcasting beer, beer too. Yeah, b- good podcasting and beer just makes the time fly by. But yeah, I know. we're good. Okay, that's fine. But, so, uh, so uh, I think we've covered a lot of ground in this ADD cast. We I think, certainly I think have. we're doing good. It's <laughs> been exceptionally ADD yeah, and a little on the drunk side as a well. Red, a red pen, cool. Um, I have a red pencil box. Oh jeez, but um, but yeah, um, no, I'm, I'm but going back to Balticon though, I'm I'm stoked, but I'll, I'll, g- I'll give you fair warning, I am terrified of Balticon this year. Why? Neil Gaiman. Oh, you, Neil, the, the Neil ne- factor. The Neil factor is going to be absolutely through the fucking roof. You know that. I mean, and not that I mind that. I mean, it's, it's nothing against it's nothing against Neil. I mean, <clears throat> I'll be the first one to say it. I wasn't a fan of American Gods, but I'm glad he won the Hugo for it. Ne- you really? No, I, I love that book. I I was I was a little I, I just didn't I just couldn't get into it. Neil and Bob, are those your names or is that what you do? I just I just really couldn't get into it. I mean and, and I'm actually partial when it comes to you know, he won the Hugo for American Gods and I'm like, okay, that's cool. But honestly Did you read Good Omens? No, I haven't read With Good Terry Omens. Yet. Pratchett? I'd like to read that because I've heard nothing but beautiful oh, about that. That book's kicks ass. But but when it comes to what I think is like Neil Gaiman at his best, I, I always say two works. First off, the one he won the World Fantasy Award for, which was um, um, A Midsummer Night's Dream. When now that's that's the actor in me coming out because you know he actually had Shakespeare and his troupe perform for Titania Oberon and the Fairy Kingdom, and you know that that that, that, that what a great concept. What about Neverwhere? Again, that's on one of my right now my my, my TBR. Is yeah. just out of the, it's just out of control, uh, but however, comma however, comma I will give you another one. Uh, it was it was a um, it was a book called The Dream Hunters, and it was um, it was Neil Gaiman writing. It was illustrated by and I cannot remember the uh, the the young woman's name, but she is a um, <clears throat> she is a uh, an anime artist, and the two Ooh. of them and he did a Chinese fable. Oh. 
I'll have, I'll, and you know what? I'll actually probably have it with me because just in case, on the off chance that I that I luck out and I get a, a, a panel with Gaiman, not that I'm counting on it, I'm actually going to pass this to Don't him. Count on it. I'm not going to count on it, but I'm going to pass it over to him and say, "Please, for the love of God, Dude, sign that." If I, <clears> if I, <throat> I I do the Balticon podcast. If You're not. Gonna I'm lucky. I'm going to get 15 minutes of audio yeah. out of the fast forward TV recording. And 15 minutes of audio, which I have promised to share with Mer Lafferty, which right. is, you know, one of, it, like I said, Mer Lafferty has unlimited credit with oh, me. Well, Mer, you're talking about the grand dame of podcasting. Remember that. Well, well, I'm talking about the woman who stepped up and defended the two of us for my first podcast episode. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, you know, don't, you know, don't sweat it. I mean, no, Mer's, no, seriously. Mer, Mer really is the grand dame of podcasting. Now, the baroness of podcasting is Nicole Simone. So, so long as we, we understand Simone. the pecking order. Yeah. She pronounces you, it with kind of a Z. Simone. Yes. Z- Nicole Simone. Simone. She's coming to podcast portable media expert. Is she really? And you're going to love this. I she, love her stuff. She's going to be coming here and spending a couple days here. Oh, you're kidding me! I got she's gonna she's gonna spend the, she's gonna spend a couple nights out at our house. Really? Yeah. So so I, I have I we'll we, have to have a dinner night. Yeah, we'll have you, to have you're a gonna night. you you T if you want to retain your testicles. Oh hell yes! Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, if, if it's all possible, I'm gonna try to round up as many of the podcasters in this area, and then we'll just have like a podcasters dinner. You know, it could be me, it could be you. Um, I'm trying to think of who else podcasts in this area. Well, Phil Rossi. Phil Rossi's in this area. I don't know Phil. Um, you, yeah, you do. Do I? Um, Phil, Phil Rossi, he always calls in uh, to winging it, and he's like, you know, it's two in the morning, and he's drinking Jack Daniels. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, <laughs> I know him. So Phil's in this area. I know that much. In fact, we've been trying to get together and have a beer. Cool. And it's just been, but you know, it, it, our our schedule's been doing this. But um, but now going back to the Balticon, you know, I, I'm I'm thrilled that Neil Gaiman's going to be there. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get a chance for him to sign anything. I don't know if I'm going to be on a panel with him. But I, I think it's cool that he's going to be there. But you know what? I think this is going to be just an insane Balticon because uh, he's going to be there. Uh, you know, our, we sold out our hotel. Normally, we're waiting till the last <coughs> week and they're, they're beating on the staff yeah. to get their hotel room so that we can fill up the convention block. Two months ago, we filled up the hotel. Not the convention block. The hotel. The whole fucking hotel. We filled up the hotel next door. We filled up the hotel across the street. We are going to have. You get, uh, wait, wait, wait. We're going to have over three thousand people at Baltimore. Holy shit! That's good. Oh. And and <clears throat> that's why peop- so many people are coming. Right. Is because our normal audience has doubled. The, it's the gaming factor, and it I think is. it's cool. I, don't, I mean, don't get me wrong; I think it's cool. But um, but, it is. Spe- uh, but but you know, speaking of uh, of handling big crowds for your first time out the box, not that it's it's anywhere close to the gaming crowd, but but still, I'm I'm pretty proud of this. I, I something I wanted to, to mention real quick because you blew us off, and that's okay. Um, RavenCon, RavenCon in uh, in April. Um, our guest, our first guest of honor for the for the very first con was Terry Brooks. And <sighs> you know what? Let me tell you something. He's a hell of a guy. I like Terry Brooks. He's a hell of a guy. I mean, I was so – let me tell you something. I was like fanboy. I mean, I – because I was picking up from Dulles and I was driving down from Dulles to Richmond. So here I was in a car with Terry Brooks, the guy – the very first person I ever read in in the science fiction fantasy genre. And I'm praying, I'm praying that I don't make a horse's ass of myself. So I'm like, (laughs) okay, maybe if he like takes a nap or something, we'll be cool. We talked. For two hours all sweet. the way down. And on the way back, we talked two and a half hours all the That's way up. sweet. And, you know, it, the thing was, he, what, a, what a hell of a guy. I, I, and, and in defense of myself, mm-hmm. the reason I blew off RavenCon, I had to wash my hair. Well, there you go. And, uh, but, you know, but, but really, we, for the hotel we had, I mean, for our first year at the con, and we booked the hotel, the entire hotel, I was thrilled. And I mean, that we, just kicks ass. Yeah, I mean, we only had like 500 people, but for a first year con to have 500, not too shabby. Not too shabby at and, all. And you know, people were saying, "Well, what are you going to do to 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 what are you going to?" And and funny thing is, uh, you know, we were saying, "Okay, well, what are you going to do for 2007? Who are you going to get as your guest of honor?" And I went to the the the, the con chair and I said, "Okay, look, Terry look, Pratchett, number one, number one, I'm not going to do this next year." I mean, I'll, I'll work with the schools and everything, but I, there's no way I can be VP and there's no way I can be guest liaison. It just, it was just too much. But my last 
my last get my last job as guest liaison. How'd you like to get Rob Sawyer? And my, <laughs> and, the, and the con chair looked at me and said, "Are you serious?" And I said, "Yes." Within 24 hours, Robert J. Sawyer committed to be RavenCon's 2007 guest of honor. Awesome! So absolutely so, yeah, awesome. Yeah, and and, and I'll, I'll give you the dates and all that stuff. They're gonna uh, Rich Sigfrid is gonna be our um our our our, our webmaster, but. Um, Rich Hickford, yeah. also another guest of Balticon. Another, another podcast guest of Balticon. Uh, I invited him straight out of the gate. Yeah. Never heard back from uh, him. Oh, he's great, though. He, 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 like a month ago, he said, I'm sorry, dude. I, you know, I just found your email. I can't make it. <laughs> and then, like, you know, two days ago, he, he sends me, somebody sends me an email. Actually, Earl Newton sends me an email and goes, uh, Rich, <laughs> Rich Sickfrit's interesting, interested in coming. Cause he didn't know that he was going to be able to make it or not. It was right. a last minute thing. It was a last minute thing. And I, dude, I, I get caught between Rich Sickfrit and Patrick McLean doing their the, imitations. The dueling Christopher Watkins. The dueling Watkins. <laughs> dueling Watkins. Caught between yeah. oh. dueling Watkins. No. Pat, Pat, Christopher Watkins doing Picture. his imitation of, of, uh, William Shatner no. doing Captain Kirk. Picture. I am stuck between these two guys over a sushi dinner. I could not breathe. Now picture, if you will, the four of us, you, me, and Patrick McLean of the Shawnee, and Rich Sigfrid of Requiem of the Outcast. The four of us reading I Have Argon as Christopher Walken. Quite possibly the worst fantasy story ever written but could we have more cowbell <laughs> there's always room for There's-oh. more cowbell <laughs> and on that note we are going to conclude this drunken ad rant with uh t morris thank you very much t for coming always a pleasure always a pleasure <laughs> good beer, good friends, good times. All right, everyone, thank you very much for staying subscribed. Up, up next, part three of our interview of with a vampire. No, oh, oh, sorry. Although Scott Sigler, yeah, you know, you gotta wonder sometimes. He's got some. He's a really sick fuck. He's I would, you, you know, I just there are times that you know you're in trouble if you're if you go to have a drink with Scott and he turns to you and he goes, "Hey, Paul, tell me something." Do you like Huey Lewis in the news? <laughs> Do you like gladiator movies? <laughs> okay, you, you, you're not getting the reference. No, anymore. I don't. Okay. American Psycho. I haven't seen Christian it. Christian Bale. Haven't seen it. Oh, don't. my God. All right. Great, let's good stuff. let's, let's right. get out of here. Yeah, well, let's, let's get, get out, out of here. here. <laughs> All right. Part three of our interview with the fathers of the podcast novel, Mark Jeffrey, Scott Sigler, and, of course, T. Morris coming up right after this. But when sports came out, they really found their sound. Tell me, Timmy, do you like gladiator movies? <laughs> and we are back with our final installment. Dude, don't cheap on the beer. Oh, Is that thing empty? I mean, upend that it, beer. All right, fine. All right. You wanna, you yeah, wanna, I want to. You want a big head on the beer? Fine. Damn. Dude, man. trying to cheat me out of my own beer. <laughs> we- this sounds more and more like the Dragon Page as time goes on. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Snakes on the motherfucking plane, man! <laughs> so, speaking of the the Dragon Page, uh, you guys have all been talking about uh, Evo Terra. Have you guys uh, uh, had any interaction with his partner on the Dragon Page, Mike Meningay? Well, I can honestly say that Mike uh, helped me get my podcast gear together. He basically pointed me towards Musician's Friend. He told me, get this, get this, get this, and get this. He want, he. Because I told him when I, after Evo and I said, yeah, this is a great idea, I immediately went to Mike and said, now how do I make it sound good? And that was when Mike uh, basically pointed me in the right direction and has, and has basically been the tech editor or, or technical advisor for all my podcasts. Um, that's why Survival Guide to Writing Fantasy is on Farpoint Media. Uh, that, that's why I'm a part of that because I, uh, uh, because, you know, Mike just bas- basically brought me in the fold because he's been my technical, uh, technical advisor through the whole thing. Uh, what about you, Scott? And Mike also got me set up with the right formats and everything for podcasting because I just had a terrible time with the first four episodes of EarthCore. It was just ridiculous trying to get through that process and trying to get on it correct. And then he came in and started spouting off technical jargon. And, uh, after I got him to speak in layman's terms for just a few minutes, I was able to get it figured out. So Mike was Mike was pretty critical in the whole process of getting things to sound good. 
Yeah, if he tries to like tell you to cross patch a neutron defibrillator into your microphone, then you know you're heading in the right direction. <laughs> what about you, Mark? Mark? Yeah, I was just gonna say I interacted with Mike um, mostly by email. I really talked to Evo a lot, um, but I, I, you know, basically I got through the first three or four episodes of Pocket, and uh, by about the fifth episode, I finally kind of had everything the way I wanted it. Um, so after I got done doing the entire podcast, I went back and totally redid episodes one through four from scratch. Just totally new readings, everything. Uh, just because like, I couldn't stand the way that the first couple sounded after I got all the way through. And and that was all because of uh, Mike Mike Meningay's help. Well, no, it wasn't all because <laughs> Mike Mike certainly helped though by uh, email mostly. Yeah, my, Mike is, Mike has been uh, been uh, my audio gear pusher for a while now. Uh, a couple of pieces of uh, equipment in this room. In fact, the the phone box that you guys are patched in on used to belong to Mike. And uh, uh, you know he's he's kind of the unsung uh, uh, hero in in this uh, this whole podcast world for me because there are a whole lot of people that he's helped you know get get the technical side up to 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 spec so that they can go on and be creative and do you know what it is that they do. Well, I think that I, and I think that's part of part of why Mike took it upon himself to say, you know what, I've been helping all these people. Why don't we just go on ahead and make a real network, a real family of podcasts? And then that's when he founded uh, Farpoint Media. And when you look at some of the podcasts that are in there, I mean, it's, 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 really, it's really a nice eclectic mix. you got everything from Evo's Cultcast to um, Voyages of the Dragonhearth with Tracy and Laura Hickman. Have you guys heard this one, Voyages of the Dragonhearth? I've heard the promo, but I actually haven't heard the podcast. <laughs> Mark Scott, have you heard it? Heard, heard what? I have not. I'm, it's, yeah, I'm here. I'm sorry. Could you repeat that? I couldn't hear you. For yeah, uh, it's uh, Tracy and Laura Hickman's Voyages of the Dragonhearth. Have you guys listened to this podcast? No, I haven't I heard that yet. I've listened to a little bit of Seventh Son, but I haven't listened to that one yet. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, that well. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's part of Farpoint Media, so you can always join it up by going to farpointmedia.net. But it is one of the most clever, one of the most. Uh, Production heavy, uh, <laughs> which means Scott's just going to be shaking his head, going, "Oh my God, here we go again." <laughs> and and, um, and and it's just it's just one of the most uh, uh, just innovative podcasts I've heard in a long time, and I really really enjoy listening to it. It's a really really good good, good show. You guys ought to check it out. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Check that out. Yeah, yeah there. It, I, I'm just constantly amazed. It's like every time I turn around, there's more good fiction and uh and even sci-fi non-fiction fantasy horror uh that that's out there on the you know on, on the web on as a podcast that's just it's really good so many podcasts so little time oh hell yes <laughs> well, you know, the other the other thing that this podcast fiction is doing is it's it's knocking down the barrier to entry no longer do you have to suck up to some editor or publisher and modify your work into some bastardized version so it fits neatly on a shelf somewhere. You know, you you get to do exactly the story that you want to do. You throw it out in the marketplace, and then it sinks or swims on its own. And we're in the very early stages. Uh, Mark and T both had their books already in stores, and I was able to get a book deal because of the success of the EarthCore podcast. But I think what we're going to see in the next three to five years is this is basically going to become the next farm system for writers. Because right now, you're not necessarily writing for the audience. You're writing for an editor. You're writing for a publisher. You're writing for the one or two people who can pull the trigger and put your book into stores because that's the only way to get your fiction out to the larger marketplace right up until podcasting comes along. Now, you know, J.C. Hutchins can write any story he damn well pleases and put it out there. So the burden still on the writer to create a really solid story and get it edited properly and go through the disciplinary steps you need to have a, right, a, a good product but we're able to put our stuff right out to the audience, and we let the marketplace decide what's good and what's not good. And then we're going to see a lot more of that, and a lot more of that's going to come from podcast fiction. I think you're, I think you're halfway right on that, Scott. Um, and Mark, if you want to disagree with me, please, by all means, jump in. But the, um, the, the, way I'm, the way I'm seeing what I just heard you say, Scott, is that you no longer have to write for the editor or the publisher. And I don't think that's really what you're doing in, in the professional sector. I think... I think podcasting is a is a great proving ground. It's a great way to, and, and you you just said that. But I don't think that when you submit something to a publisher or an editor, um, 
I think what they're out to do, and, and I've heard editors say this on cover to cover, and I've heard them say, and I've heard publishers say this on cover to cover, we don't want people to rewrite their story. We want to help make it better. But, uh, but we want to... Well, I think what I'm, what I'm saying to you is what we're going to see as this art form continues to expand, if you go to tour and you can say, here's my stats, I have 60,000 people a week listening to this book right here. Now they're going to refine the book that you have. So you're writing for your 60,000 fans. You're not writing for the aesthetic taste of one person who's going to pull the trigger on the book. That's what I'm saying this is going. This is becoming a file system where we're going, where the, you separate the wheat from the chaff, separated by the end audience. It's not separated by a couple of people who graduated from Stone or Harvard and who get to decide what's good and what's not. Provided, provided they know what podcasting is. And yeah, I think that's actually a very important point because where I think Scott is right, I, the flip side of that is is that the book industry is unbelievably slow, especially when it comes to paradigm shifts like something like podcasting is. And I don't that's believe, true. so right now, uh, I know Scott and, and I've definitely encountered this, even though we've both gotten interest in probably U2T from major publishers, uh, they don't really care about the podcast numbers. It's not something that means something. They don't get it. Even though, even though they're great, even though the, the number of downloads is fabulous, it, yeah. it just it just doesn't have street cred with them. And that's so, and, and that's. I think what's going to make them take notice is in when one of these books takes off because of the podcast, just on its own, and they're cut out and they're losing money. Then they're going to wake up and smell smell the coffee. All right, and let, and that's why. That's why. That's why I give that range of three to five years. I think it's going to take yeah. two or three years before a book busts out solely because of word of mouth. And keep in mind, I think it's far less than 5% of the American population has heard a podcast, and probably less than 20% has actually even knows what the concept is. So we're at the very early stage of this, and as this comes out, there's going to be two, three, or four breakout stars in this format where you hit that critical mass of people, you know, pardon the phrase, the tipping point, where they start telling other people about it, and all of a sudden you have somebody who comes from out of nowhere and has 100,000 people listening to their book. It's going to follow the same arc as a rocket boom. And there's 350,000 people who watch Rocket Boom every day. And as soon as that happens with one of these podcast novels, that's the only time that the publishers are going to pull their head out of their ass and figure out that there's a lot more going on than just what they think they can fit onto a bookshelf. But okay, well, let, let, me, let me ask you guys a, a question uh, all in turn, and uh, we'll start with Mark. Um, would you rather have um, uh, 50,000 people uh, download your book, uh, your podcast, and uh, 10% of those, 5,000 people, uh, donate to you through patio books, or would you rather sell uh, 5,000 books? Um, well, it probably depends on when you ask me that question what the answer is. Um, if you ask me that right now, which you are, right now, you know, I'm not a household name. None of us are. None of us are Stephen King. So it's much more important. So my problem right now is not getting a nickel every time someone uh, consumes my stuff. My problem is just getting people to, to consume it to begin with. So whatever whatever medium allows the uh, the book to get out there uh, into the widest number of people and sampled by the widest number of people is what I'm after right now today, uh, because that will you know hopefully build a bridge towards more books and more follow-on books in the series as well as you know anything else I want to author. Um, and then we can worry about, you know, quote-unquote monetizing it later. But right now, today, that's the problem. Okay. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll answer next, and I agree totally with Mark. This is all a numbers game at this point. I don't think T or Mark or myself or anybody else is going to have any concept of the impact that this is in our careers for another three to five years. We're just yeah, not, going, it's not going to see it. This is, I, I really compare this a lot to the indie bands. And an indie band getting started, putting out their first, second, and third record, Nobody knows who they are except a select few group of people who start to talk and spread the word. And it's not until some of these bands hit their fourth and fifth album that all of a sudden they are, quote-unquote, an overnight success and nobody saw them coming, even though they've been working away for several years. So I, it's a numbers game right now. It's all branding. It's A, getting people to, to know the name Scott Sigler, and then B, making sure that they, they understand what type of content is associated with that name. So to me, the, the goal right now is the 50,000 people. If I don't get a dime out of that, that's fine with me. But to answer your question, I'd rather, I would rather get the 50,000 listeners, sell the 5,000 books because there's still a lot of marketing aspects that selling 5,000 copies of the book 
is going to get you credit in the marketplace, whereas 5,000 donations isn't necessarily going to do that. And plus, there's something tactile about a book. I mean, I, books are some of my favorite treasures of my whole life, some books I have. And I want, you know, I want to know that something I've created is so entertaining to someone that not only did they sit and listen to it and give me 15 hours of their life, they went out and forked out their 10 bucks and bought the thing so they could have it on their shelf and read it again. And I, I just have one more comment to add, and that is you shouldn't look at this as, hey, I'm giving something away for free and I'm leaving, mo- leaving money on the table. Uh, you should look at this as, hey, I'm getting millions of dollars with a free advertising through use of this podcasting thing in the Internet. I got a microphone mm-hmm. to the entire planet. That, I should be paying money for that, and I'm not. Well, I mean, and, and uh, really, I think that's that's the next big hurdle that we have to clear as patio book authors, and uh, you know, with pressing company included, patio book engineers. Because while Paul may not be writing a patio book right now, he is currently producing uh, uh, Forever I'm, Fifteen. I, well, I'm I'm re-engineering Forever Fifteen. I am also uh, creating and producing with a, a team of eight actors. Lancelot Biggs, spaceman. No, no. Uh, we call it Secret Project Blackbeard, but oh, okay. it, it's actually a book called Servant Cold, which you can find on Lulu. Right. Uh, which was written by my friend Ronnie Blackwell. But Lancelot Biggs, spaceman, will be premiering at Baltic Garden Forty. That's right. It will. <laughs> can, can I? Can I? Can I announce it to people like that? It's like. Oh uh, yeah. So, so what are you doing today? I'm doing Lancelot Biggs, spaceman. But um, in fact, I think from now on, everyone. I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna pass that around to everyone who's gonna be in the play. I can't wait to hear Murr try to do that. <laughs> it's gonna be called Lancelot Biggs, spaceman. And as I said. <laughs> you, you, you're just not there for Murr. I'm I know, sorry. I know. I'm sorry. It, it, it's that, that, Murr's going to take some work. Murr Lafferty, Murr Lafferty has she unlimited is, credit with me. And if she hears this, she is so going to kick my ass. Uh, probably. Yeah, probably. And she'll yeah. probably do it next weekend when I make sure she <laughs> and, hears you it. You know what? And, and, and going back to that, that first question you asked, too, something else to think about right now is, as Mark puts it, it's millions of dollars of free advertising. If we were going to spend this kind of money to advertise to the book-buying populace with an ad in the New York Times, in the L.A. Times, the San Francisco Chronicle, etc., that would cost several thousand dollars to do that. Fifty thousand. about that is you're only going to reach the people who are looking for their book content in those magazines. I, I, you know, I kind of refer to them as these snooty literary-type magazines. I mean, there's really nowhere to go to read up on where am I going to go find my next action-adventure book or, in Mark's case, my next metaphysical teenage melodrama book. You know, I mean, there, there's nowhere to do that. But enough but, about but Buffy when, and Angel. When we, put, when we put these books out, all of a sudden, the entire world has access to the content and the entire world can sort through them and pick out what they like and what they don't like. And, you know, I, there's, I, just, I personally don't associate with a lot of people who... Read the New York Times book review, and the ones who do, they're they're looking for a certain type of book because they know they'll find it in that book review. So it's it is it's free advertising dollars. It's a global marketplace. It's global exposure, and this is the first time, pretty much the first time in the history of publishing that we're able to give our content away to millions of people for free and let them decide whether they like it or not, and not have to go get a fixed demographic that's purchasing one type of book review. But as Mark said earlier, the, 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 the problem that we're facing, the current hurdle that we're trying to clear as patio book authors and as podcasters in general is, uh, is, is, is really having the publishers understand what a podcast is. Uh, when, when, I was, when I was speaking at, at, at BEA this, this, uh, this week, uh, What's BEA? Book Expo America. Sorry, I think. Book Expo America. I was, doing a, I was basically doing a talk on podcasting, and I spent a majority of it basically explaining to people what a podcast was. The room was packed full of people, and the interest is there. But what we have to do is, as patio book authors is basically tell people, look, um, we're giving this away. Instead, we need to tell that we can't tell them that. We, need, we can't tell them they're losing money. We have to tell them for the fraction of a cost that it would cost you to put ads in Realms of Fantasy, to put ads in Starlog Magazine, to put ads in all these magazines that may or may not reach their target audience. Sigler is reaching 50,000 people, and every person there is the target audience. These pe- we're not sending the ad out to people. The people are coming to us. And when you put it in terms like that, where not only... You, uh, that every person you're reaching is someone that really wants more from your publisher or that person. You then say, and we're doing it for a fraction of the cost. 
publishers will then start to take notice. That's what we need to do. Once we, once we as audio book authors, show publishers and editors and agents that we've got the demographics, that we've got the downloads, but that we're doing this for a fraction of a cost of a full-page ad in, um, in, in Realms of Fantasy. In anything. In anything, yeah, and in, in really in anything. That's going to make them sit up and take note. I think that's going to help sit, uh, get them to sit up and take notice. But the first hurdle we have to clear is explaining to them what a podcast is. That's the big, that's the big thing we have to do right now. All right, so uh, we're, we're pretty much out of time here. Uh, I want to thank you gentlemen all for uh, joining in with me and being part of this historic uh, podcast, the Fathers of the Podcast novel. Uh, so uh, let's uh, get some last words. Uh, Scott Sigler. Um, I think I pretty much said that all I need, oh wait, I never say all I need to say. Um, it, it, all the things that we're talking about, it, we're, you know, again, it's going to be years before we truly understand what's going on here. I think I may have even heard Mark describing this at one point, um, that this is sort of must have been what it felt like for the people. And actually Mark was one of the people starting the whole internet startup thing. And, it, you know, we, we think there's something big going on, but we really don't know for sure what's going to happen with it or how far it's going to go. So I think, um, you know, do another one of these shows in three years, and we'll see, we'll see how things turn out. Well, you know, I, 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 I'll, it, you know, I'll probably do one in another year or so, and we'll see what, <laughs> what happens then. It's an annual event. It's a get-together. Sounds good to me. Uh, Mark? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I couldn't agree more that I, I do feel like this. Uh, podcasting very much does feel like the early days of the Internet, circa 1995, when we were all mucking around with our, you know, our, our early Mosaic browsers. I mean, we sort of smelled that there was something really huge about to happen, but didn't quite know exactly how big it would be or what form it would take. Podcasting, and in particular, audio books, feels like that same sort of thing to me. So I, I do believe that there's going to be uh, a big sea change in the next three or five years, and I think that is the time schedule. I'll be surprised if it happens faster, and, and it, it might, but I don't think it will. Uh, but nonetheless, I do think there's something very big here. And uh, it's probably also worth mentioning that uh, all of our books are available on patiobooks.com. <laughs> yes, and absolutely. And and if you don't feel like uh, making your own into a po- your own book into a podcast, uh, there's a new service called Patio Books Pro, which uh, I am a part of. All right, T. How about last words from you? www.tmorris.com I busted you, Sigler. I got all three of you. You I trumped you bastards. And on that note, I have I have one more one more small thing. Uh, I started doing my stuff. Let's not talk about your penis side, man. Pacho and Potty Books just made a deal, so all the Scott Sigler back catalog stuff will be available on PottyBooks.com. Oh, that's great. That's sweet. Moving over to Potty Books. Sweet. Because I keep telling people about Anne. Ancestor, and they're trying to find it. And now I can send them, finally send them to uh, to www.patiobooks.com. And one more plug, www.arrogantbastard.com. And that's it. I'm done. <laughs> Are you ever done? All right. Never. All right. Never. Thank no, you. Thank wait. you guys for, for joining me here on the ADD cast. And remember, everyone, you can't control the stimulus. Control the response. Farpoint Media, powered by Podango, 